0: Company Watch Financial Analytics.
1: Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Jo Kettner, CEO of Company Watch and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Jo. We're recording today's episode in the morning of Tuesday the 29th of June. I suppose our big uh, piece for this week is the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee reports, which was released um, last Thursday, I believe, I think, 24th. Um, the headline that I think was most picked up on was that the Bank of England has admitted that inflation is going to be over their 2% target and will, um, they say, go up to about 3% um, this year. And the outgoing chief economist, Andy Haldane, has done the press rounds, again, being the lone dissenting voice, saying that he believes that, in fact, inflation could well be higher than this 3%. um, 3% won't be the high watermark. And that although we might not see the double digits of the 70s and 80s, a rise in inflation will inevitably mean a sharp rise in interest rates at some point down the line. So he was he's kind of justifying why he wanted to ease back on the quantitative easing um that the Bank of England should commit to. So there's some there's some interesting Things in the MPC report that I think we'll pick up on, and also I think it points a little bit to um, an industry as a as a microcosm. Like Nick, you picked out some, some interesting figures that are slightly buried in the report, but I think we should look at construction as a yep. as an industry of interest. Um, Some other interesting research around personal guarantees and um, impact on on loans for for businesses and what might be ahead and also business rates. I think that's something that we haven't really talked very much about um, over recent weeks. But I think it's worth looking at what's going on with business rates, especially as the rate relief for those um, certain sectors, retail, hospitality and so on, are due to end at the end of this month. And it's reduced from 100 percent to, I believe, 75 percent. But I think Nick might correct me on that. Nick, let's start with the MPC report. What did you find that was interesting in
0: here? Well, to be honest with you, the um, the bland um, uh, uh, relaxation of, of of the Bank of England about the, the situation on inflation. I mean, you know, to quote them from the report, financial market measures of inflation expectations suggest near-term strength in inflation is transitory. And then, of course, they talk about 3% being the high watermark later in the year. Now, they may be right. I don't think they are. Uh, They might be wrong. But actually, I have a much more fundamental problem with this because I do an awful lot of research in a great number of sectors. Um, And what is clear is there is huge pressure on business input prices across multiple sectors construction hospitality manufacturing haulage non-food retail grocery trade you know almost everywhere you go so to be honest with you uh, much as the bank of england has a remit to focus on cpi what i'm concerned about is what's happening to profitability under the bonnet of the economy Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. down the supply chain so so my theory, you know, my, my simplistic um, non-economist theory, is if companies can pass on these rises and they're not small rises to end consumers, then the bank is talking nonsense on CPI. Mm. What worries me much more is if they can't, then this must affect business profitability and, and viability and, and the economy as- more general
1: and then we'll we'll see that in other measures in the economy. It's interesting they did to be fair, I mean they picked up a, a number that I think you mentioned last week, Nick. So they're looking at the 12 month producer input price inflation had risen to 10.7% in May yes. and producer output price inflation had risen to 4.6%. So it looks like there's a kind of half of that what? is being carried on in a kind of very simplistic um
0: a, a specific <coughs> I mean, that's very, that's very true. But I mean, you know, the issue with this is 10.7% rise in costs in industries with low profit margins Mm -hmm. is very, very serious. And if you're in, you know, if you're a house builder, with current um, house price inflation, do you care if the price of of bagged concrete or bricks and block uh, blocks are going through the roof? Maybe not. But believe me, if you're in in some other sectors, non-essential retail, um, some parts of manufacturing haulage mm. you know, where delivery prices are highly sensitive, then the answer is, you know, this could be a really, really serious problem. So I, I don't think the Bank of England can have it both ways. And I don't think they're looking at the uh, the impact on business nearly closely enough.
1: And I suppose the other thing I'd like to just quickly pick up on on the um, business investment side, and it's maybe something that we'll link to on that personal guarantee research you picked up on. Um, But Q1, sorry, 2021 business investments were um, said to have fallen sharply by almost 12 percent. And that is from a very low base. You know, we know that business investment was really under um, the pre-pandemic level. So to have another Mm. fall of 12 percent is quite significant, I think.
0: Yes. Um, And and of course, um, what what led me into all of this uh, was having done a lot of research, in particular, in the construction sector. I wrote a blog about where it goes from post-pandemic yesterday. And now here's a sector that, in a way, first of all, it's systemically important. Secondly, it is wherever you turn on a financial or an operational level, it is in difficulty. It has rampant cost inflation. The um, construction um, PMI index um, for May recorded the highest level of input cost inflation in the 24 years wow. that that sample that, that that survey has been running. So they're dealing with cost inflation, labour shortages. Now, one in four of all EU born construction workers left the UK industry, left construction industry in the year to September 2020. If you go back to the uh, Brexit referendum in 2016, since then 42% of them have gone. Gosh. And there are, you know, this is not something where you can can go down the old labour exchange from my youth and hire yourself a few, you know, because construction is no longer brickies and 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 chippies, it's a highly technical business. Mm. Highly skilled, it, you know, um the labor that they need, of course they need grunt labor, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's the nature of the of the beast, but they also need highly skilled people, not just at higher levels in the in, in the actual work uh, work team. Trouble there, they've got product shortages. I mean I I wouldn't know where to stop with listing the construction products, you know, everything, you know, um Bag cement, plasterboard, um, uh, bricks, blocks, timber, steel products—all in short uh, supply—and the supply chains in disarray. The turmoil, yeah, absolute yeah. turmoil. And then add, you know, the the last insult to all the other injuries is delivery issues. Site delivery is becoming a problem because of, you know, it shows no industry is an island. The HGV driver shortage in the haulage industry is now meaning that just as we're being threatened with there being gaps on the supermarket shelves, there are now non-deliveries to site, and of course, with with, with what that does is to
1: it mean, completely ruins because things are so tightly planned, aren't they? You know, so deliveries are due on site, and they you and the, the and, materials and penalty- used here and then.
0: And the penalties and claims, I mean, I've worked in the construction industry for six years, so I know how this works. You know, you miss miss a milestone or you miss a completion date, practical completion. The answer is the financial repercussions are really quite serious. Mm -hmm. And and what we need to remember as a background to all of this is that this is an industry with 6% of GDP, but 19% of insolvencies. So, so if you if you have risk in this sector, you know it is not going well. I mean they've done they've done remarkably well. They're back to virtually pre pandemic levels. I think they're 0.3 percent um, above pre pandemic levels of GDP mm. of output. But blimey, I mean some of the uh, some of the losses being reported.
1: And you and you think well some of the some of the cost increases may have been factored in because of Brexit that was a known issue yeah. but some of the the supply chain issues you know the the increase in, in input prices has really outstripped anything that people were imagining that Brexit yeah. might yeah.
0: Um, might have but, I mean construction plan. is just the clearest um example I can find at the moment but you know this sort of stuff is going on yeah. all over the place so you know we're in danger as an economy of being top line happy gdp growth happy um whilst ignoring what's happening to profit profitability and viability
1: and that's interesting. I think that is quite a nice um, link on to this research on some of the financing that has been done during the, the pandemic, the, the, the borrowing, which we've, we've talked often about, um, particularly in the context of the government backed um, loan schemes. And there's some, some research that you picked up on from a personal guarantee insurance um, company. Perhaps you could. This is quite eye opening to me when you when you
0: told me about it. I think it's definitely worth talking okay, about. OK, this is this is an outfit called Perbeck who provide personal guarantee insurance and and they published some research on the 2nd of June. They, um, the sample for the survey was 1,000 SME owners or managers, mm-hmm. and a third of these people, these companies, well, these people had given a personal guarantee in 2020. And my first
1: question was, okay, well, how does that compare then to pre-pandemic?
0: Well, prior, to, a- prior to the pandemic, averagely speaking, Um, SME um, owners, 20% of them, were giving PGs. So this looks at first blush like another 30-odd percent over and above. Now, 10% of these personal guarantees were given under the C-bills scheme
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: and and, and they have certain protections in them. The um, uh, private residence is is not caught up in a a guarantee and and there's a cap on it. But 24% of the new um, PGs were outside that scheme. So presumably were subject to the the, the normal... Normal underwriting procedure. uh, Responsible down down to your shirt buttons um, type stuff. Um, What um, did um, amuse me in a sort of black humour sort of way was 22% of those who had given PGs in 2020 hadn't worn their spouse. (sighs) about the risk to their personal assets. And 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 what uh, having given personal guarantees in business myself and having dealt with businesses uh, when I was an insolvency practitioner where PGs have been given, what it does is to, it, it changes behavior. Mm. It either creates excessive caution or irrational exuberance, is that wonderful phrase. It certainly induces stress. Um, and uh, it must, you know, it must have an impact on, on business investment yeah. and risk taking. And of course, <laughs> with SMEs, it's all about risk taking. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, what the researcher then went on to talk about was something that I freely admit to having, frankly, not paid much attention to, and I wish I had. This is the recovery loan scheme. And this RLS. is a
1: successor, isn't it, to the to Bills and B when that first scheme closed.
0: Yeah, this is the son of (laughs) kicked in in April this year. Will run until December 2021. Mm. Um, Applicants can borrow up to ten million, and um, basically, it's a it's it's a it looks like a well balanced scheme. It's got similar sort of terms to um, c bills. You have to give a guarantee if you borrow two hundred and fifty grand or more. Yeah. But the private residence is protected and the liability is capped at 20%.
1: And it's normal underwriting, isn't it? I think the yes. it's like similar to the C bills in the in the sense that there is actually a, a a process rather than B bills which were, you know, given out, you know, could you prove you existed? Tick. You got them. <laughs> and what's our um what's our kind of interest rate? So these are these are more commercial um type terms. Yes. Is that right? I mean the
0: interest rate is capped at 14.99%, but is to be negotiated with the with a particular lender. Mm-hmm. Government gives an 80% guarantee. Um, the borrower is on the hook, the borrowing company is on the hook for the whole debt. And as I say, over 250K, there will be a, a PG for the other 20% that the government is not guaranteeing. Um, repayment terms, uh, if it's a term loan or it's asset finance, it's three months to six years if it's an overdraft or invoice uh, finance it's 3 months to 3 years so all 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 well and good i mean you have to be able to demonstrate the business has been affected by coronavirus and that you can you have the ability to afford the extra debt is what it says on the Briti- british yeah. um,
1: so this is interesting because this is actually meant to be to fund, to, I guess, to bridge the the cash yep. flow mm-hmm. issue, but also potentially to fund growth if you can um, put put together a, a decent business yeah. plan. But, but what's no, no. The, what's the deal with the previous loans? So presumably, any loans that were taken under the previous schemes will be taken into account. Yes, I mean, what they, what the they say
0: is it doesn't. You know, if you borrowed a, if 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 you've taken a um, bounce back loan. Or C bill, the answer is you're not disqualified, but the amount of your existing debt may affect how much you can borrow under the scheme. Mm -hmm. So we're back to commercial underwriting. Now, now what was interesting about this was that the Purbeck research found that of their 1,000 SME owners or or managers, 22% plan to use this scheme. Um, or sorry, I mean, probably more than 22%, 22% planned to borrow more than 250K and were prepared oh, right. to give a PG. And 54% of them thought that the recovery loan scheme would be their key funding source in 2021. Um, and... Uh, what, uh, as opposed to the previous year, 2020, they asked the question about, you know, what about last year? Yeah. And uh, bounce-back loans were seen as the obvious um, funding source. Mm-hmm. But the, the next bit, um, when I told Joe about it uh, before we started recording, drew a gasp. 28% of SME owners or managers thought that their key funding source in 2021 would be a credit card facility.
1: I mean that i that i feel like that is quite an eye opening um eye-opening start. and but it it's not clear is it you no know, is that just because it's only a small amount is needed or whether that's the only source that they could you know that we don't get yep. have that much detail, but even so that does seem given that there are these these other schemes available yep. that potentially would offer slightly more yep. stable form of borrowing that does seem um that does seem quite a high percentage
0: yes and 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 i th- and I think it's uh, you know again the the moral in all of this is exactly how much debt can the SME mm. sector carry because, you know, I, I bang on endlessly, um, you know, in these podcasts and in blogs I write and to anybody who'll listen, uh, in fact, even, even wax lyrical from a car park in, uh, on, a, on the harbour side somewhere down in Cornwall about um, about the, the debt burden in the economy to mm. um, some Poor, poor reporter from The Telegraph who couldn't take notes fast enough as, as, as I got angry with him. Um, the thing is we've had, you know, 2020 where companies loaded up with debt under the coronavirus scheme, scheme, various schemes, and took advantage of all the other things that we talk about here. Now in 2021, they're going to go back to the trough mm. and they're going to drink again from, from the debt stream. And how much of this can think, they repay?
1: Again, I mean, this this is interesting to kind of link to the, the last thing that we were going to talk about in terms of um, business rates and also that that kind of cliff edge that now isn't sort of been kicked down to, to September. that um, we still haven't really had that that kind of normal market forces that would, would tend to deal with these over-indebted companies in in terms of winding up petitions and statutory miles enforcement of, of debt and so on. Um, and so I guess we, we're not really going to start to see what the market does in normal circumstances until September, um, but it, you know, it sounds from from all the things we're talking about in terms of increasing costs, low margin, not being able to pass those things on, more debt. I mean, this doesn't really sound to me like a recipe for uh, a sustained, healthy recovery where they're
0: not going to be quite significant um,
1: companies and, and, in distress.
0: And, and of course, you know, from from our listeners' point of view. How are they supposed to know about the impact of all this? Because there's no blooming mm-hmm. financial, up to date financial mm-hmm. information out there, you know, unless your unless you, your risk is a big enough one to uh, well, to, to a, strong arm some management mm-hmm. information out of people. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the, funny enough, actually, um, very shortly we'll be publishing the latest um, uh, grimsey review into into placemaking and rescuing. You know, oh, sorry, re. In reinvigorating town centres and high streets and one of the things um, we're going to call for is for the government to tighten reporting deadlines for companies yeah. because it, you know as we say in there how is anybody supposed to take um, an informed decision about how much credit and how much risk to take that's interesting because that's something that has been consulted on by, by companies house and the government under various
1: consultations, but these these things have not gone anywhere, and know. you know, as we know, the, the, the big companies' house reform wasn't included in the, the latest Queen's speech. So there's no real timetable for when these mm-hmm. these much-needed reforms are actually going to um, to kick in. And in the meantime, people are having to make decisions on very out-of-date oh. information. So the more information you can get, the more you can kind of push these through into you know, we obviously offer, offer modelling um, tools where you can forecast ahead and see what the impact the, this this extra debt is is going to have on on financial yeah. health. The better. Nick, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. Shall we, should we just quickly touch on the the business rates? Yes, um, this
0: was well, this was the the, the Retail Gazette um, talking about a ticking time bomb of business rates arrears. Now, I'm guessing you know everybody listening uh, probably thinks you know, you know what exactly are we talking about here? Because there's been a business rates holiday. Well, yeah, fine, but uh, there has in leisure retail and hospitality. There hasn't for anybody else. Yeah. And uh, research by the real estate advisors Altus, uh, re- reported by the Retail Gazette on the twenty eighth of June, so yesterday, say that they calculate that in the last uh, financial year, that's to March this year, twenty one, one point one eight billion in rates, uh, mm. business rates are unpaid. Mm. That adds to pre-existing arrears that are still outstanding. So the total. Business rates arrears are now two point five billion. Gosh, and that's in local government, isn't it? That's local. That's government. local. That's that's money that is not in the coffers of local yeah. government, and goodness knows they're having enough trouble. So it's an it's another financial pressure.
1: And then for the for those se- sectors that were given the um, the holiday. That 100% relief goes until the end of June, so until tomorrow. Yep. And then from the 1st of July, it's a, it's a kind of tapering it's of a tapering. Um, the, the relief. So is it 66%? I think I might have said 75% in my intro, but I've just yep. looked at the, my notes from the, um, from the government website. So it's a 66% business rates relief from the 1st of July 2021 to the 31st of March 2022. Yep. Um, but it's capped at $2 million per business. For the properties that were required to close on the 5th of January 2021. So I think that's trying to close that loophole where we had some yeah. some very big yeah. um, retailers who were claiming the business rates of holiday and obviously then did, did pretty well um, in terms of their sales. Yeah. So um, so that is actually, in terms of our, our original um, cliff edge at the end of June, it's only really the business rates that have been impacted. We have furloughed the employer contribution um, increases, isn't it, from um, first of july again in august and then finally that scheme is closed at the end of september at the same time as now winding up petition and yep. statutory demands um that that kind of moratorium ends at the end of september as of today we, we shall see i guess um how things play out nick thank you very much as always a really really interesting bunch of topics that you brought today so many thanks thank you. Um, until next time, thanks everybody for listening, and we should be back next week. Bye bye.